This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. And once again, this afternoon is actually Greg Smith jumping in for Linda. For the course of the next hour, we have a lot to discuss and a lot of developing stories around Newfoundland and Labrador this afternoon, ending a shortened work week for many with a bang in some instances. Let's talk about this. This is very fresh, a statement now from the FFAW on the panel decision on CRAB, uh, signaling an economic crisis for Newfoundland and Labrador. They say they say the standing fish price setting panel has announced a decision on the price of snow crab for the start of the 2023 fishing season and selecting the association of seafood producers second price submission of two dollars and 20 cents over the, the negotiating committee's price of three dollars and 10 cents crab committees throughout the province have made the unanimous decision to not fish at the unsustainable price they say they will review this position in the coming weeks if you want to weigh in on that story this afternoon the ffaw's response on that, you can feel free to chime in and have your say. And one of the big topics over the course of the last few hours, I had to run out uh, over the uh, early part of the afternoon and as I was walking out of the building, my phone started to blow up with this news. The embattled president of Memorial University, Vian Timmons, well, is president no more, departing today, effective today. Her appointment being ended on a without-cause basis. And we'll be diving into this conversation throughout the afternoon. We'll get some reactions Action to you. We're going to be joined by a number of folks as VOCM News tracks that developing story as well throughout the afternoon. But I did want to have a bit of a lighthearted approach to a part of the hour today. We're heading into the Easter weekend. I've been having a lot of fun this week getting my little fella ready for Easter. We had him out to get his picture with the Easter bunny. He's probably going to be all into the chocolate at some point this weekend. And, well, for me, I'm going to be well, eyes and face right into uh, into some fish and chips tomorrow. So I wanted to talk about fish and chips tomorrow with someone who has a whole lot of knowledge about this. So we're going to go over to the phones right now. We'll say good afternoon to one of the owners of Chess's Fish and Chips, Kathy Barber. How are you? I'm great today. How are you? I am good. Are you getting well rested for tomorrow? Are you going to have a busy day? Oh, it's going to be a busy day. Busy day today and extremely more busy tomorrow. I guess we should start off with the preparing of fish and chips uh, for Good Friday at Chess's. Uh, obviously, you order, you get a lot of orders in. You put out a lot of fish and a lot of chips. So how do you prepare? What's the steps there today? Like just, just all in? Oh, well, everybody's working today. And so everything's being cut and prepped. Uh, for today, so tomorrow morning when they go in, they start cooking. There's nothing cooked ahead of time. It's all started tomorrow morning, and they'll be all ready to go. How much are we looking at here, fish, potato-wise, do you think, going out of your kitchens tomorrow? Uh, we're looking at, well, we'll go through We'll go through a couple thousand pounds of fish and many more thousand pounds of uh, potatoes. So it's a busy day for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And I uh, kind of mentioned it uh, when we were preparing for the interview about how you guys take on that day, pre-orders or not. But no pre-orders at your locations. Uh, you guys kind of do it as they come in and get them out the door. Hey, what's the process? Yeah, so, I mean, the phone's been ringing, God love our customers all week wanting to put orders in ahead. And, but, I mean, we're, you know, the kitchens are only so big and there's only so many people in them, so you can only put out so many orders at a time. So we don't take any pre-orders ahead of uh, ahead of tomorrow. Tomorrow morning we might, we'll take a few through lunchtime or early afternoon, but then nothing through supper time because there's that many people that come 
and um, and we've learned through COVID too that if that so you don't have everybody in the locations because it's very confusing and trying to get around. Mm-hmm. So what we'll do tomorrow, we'll let like five people in at a time for a takeout order, and our orders will be in and out. If anybody's coming to dine in, we'll have people outside. If anyone's there for a dine in and tables are open, we'll have them come in. I expect it to run like clockwork as it has the past few years. Well, I was going to say you guys have been at this for a long while, haven't you? Oh, 72 years of Good Friday. Yeah, so you got a, you got it down pat by now, and I know you're going to have people knocking at the doors uh, to get in there tomorrow. So how does that day work for your staff? I guess it's a bit of an earlier start tomorrow? It's an early start. There will be a couple of people. The main people will be in around 6 and 7, and then they'll start to 8 and 9. They'll, they'll all be in for the day. And, uh, yeah, it's great. We have staff that come back every year. Uh, they'll call, like in the last couple of weeks of calls, and say, do you need some help? So uh, they're back to help out tomorrow. It's a lot of fun. It's, it is. Everybody's in a great mood. There's lots of people there. Customers are fabulous. They know that they're going to come, and they know that there's going to be a bit of a wait. But for the past, like the last few years, seriously, it's been like, you know, you might wait outside 15, 20 minutes, but once you're in, the orders go quick, right? Yeah. Kathy Barber joining us on News Talk with Chess's Fish and Chips. You talk about some of the staff that uh, has been there in the past coming back to help out and maybe returning customers that you see all the time, too, because, I mean, it is a bit of a tradition in Newfoundland. I mean, not probably just Newfoundland and Labrador, but especially here, we hear about it all the time. Fish and Chips, Good Friday. Uh, so you must see a lot of that familiarity when it comes to faces, customers, staff that just want to come and support not just your business, but to, to get that feed that they've been waiting for for this time of the year for so long. Absolutely. It's very it's, it's a very traditional thing. And, uh, I mean, I have, so as I said, I said earlier, my husband um, comes in and works with me every Good Friday. He doesn't work with me all year, but he works Good Friday. He sees the same people come every fr- every Good Friday. They look for him. He looks for them. It's, it's a lot of fun. I've had uh, friends who, when their children were small, would come at the later part of supper uh, in the one of the restaurants. And they actually met another family who can, every year, they would be there with, when their children were small they'd all be there together at the same time every year so it's a very traditional experience that's uh, amazing Uh, and you know i know people probably are salivating now just talking about the fish and chips and tomorrow will be quite the busy day and i know i guess you know working in in the business you work in the restaurant business uh it's a stressful job from time to time but as you said it's such a fun day tomorrow although a busy day Absolutely. And we'll all be very tired when we leave there tomorrow evening. But it's uh, it's fun. Everybody looks forward to it. You could ask any of my staff, and they will all tell you that Good Friday is the best day of the year to work. Amazing. So I guess before I let you go, I know uh, there are going to be people wondering now, all right, I'm going to go in, I'm going to make my order and stuff tomorrow. But uh, I believe there's five locations for chesses now. You want to give us a rundown of those locations for people listening who may be in proximity, who wants to come and get a feed from you guys tomorrow? Yeah, sure. There's a nine, There's Freshwater Road location, uh, which is our flagship store. There's Highland Drive, Topsail Road, uh, Commonwealth Avenue, and uh, Bay Roberts opened uh, this year in January. So it be they'll be great out there this year. Yeah, I was going to say you just opened up that new location, right? Just moved. Yes. Well, they they were in in Carabineer, and but they moved up to Bay Roberts. Yeah, and they're doing wonderful there. Amazing. I'm looking forward to coming by, getting a feed myself tomorrow. Uh, Kathy, before I let you go, any final comments? On, on Good Friday tomorrow, anything people should be should be aware of? Oh, 
everybody come come to your favorite location. Uh, the the wait should, there will be a little wait, I'm sure, for a supper time getting in and getting your order in. But we have it down. We got 72 years of this, and uh, yeah, it should go by clockwork. And we look forward to seeing everybody. How long does it take you now to get a feed of fish and chips onto a plate? You're probably in the kitchen a fair bit there. So how long does it take you? A little random question. <laughs> oh well, no, I'm not in the kitchen as much as I used to be. Uh, but no, it's very quick. It's yeah. very quick. I mean, you know, Dove will have. So I mean, it's set up in the kitchen so that you know there's people dropping the food, there's people taking up the food, people wrapping the food. So it's just it's just like a lovely little assembly line. It doesn't take long. Amazing, Kathy Barber. I appreciate it. Have a have a good day tomorrow. Good luck with it. Thank you very much. There you go, Kathy Barber with Chess's Fish and Chips. If you want to talk fish and chips, hey, I'm up for that conversation this afternoon. 709-273-5211-888-590-8626. We're up against a, a timeout here on News Talk, but coming up a little bit later on in the program, we will be checking in with Sean Basha at the Iceberg Alley Performance Tent about tickets going on sale tomorrow, plus so much more, and of course, your conversations too, if you want to give us a ring. Back in a moment here on VOCM's News Talk. Weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9.00. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM Morning Show. And welcome back to News Talk. It is Greg Smith jumping in for Linda Swain here this afternoon as uh, we dive into some of the top stories of the day. And I guess what would be one of the top stories, because there's been a few things developing this afternoon news-wise, but one of the top stories will most certainly be that the embattled president of Memorial University, Vianne Timmons, well, is no longer president. The departure effect of today, her appointment being ended on a without cause basis that broke early this afternoon and to talk a bit more about this and the coverage of it is the editor of The Muse, a student-run newspaper of course at Memorial University. Jenna Reed, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I am great. Thanks for uh, jumping on with us. I believe actually when I got the first call and kind of the heads up on this, when I looked at social media, The Muse was out in front uh, tweeting this news, sharing this news with, with the population. So I guess we should start with the story itself, Jenna. Overall, just give us a synopsis for anybody who may kind of just be leaving work today wondering what's going on. Well, so President Timmons, or former President Timmons, she has been on leave for about the past six, uh, I think it's been about four weeks. It was supposed to be a six-week leave. Um, that would take us to kind of the end of semester and the end of exam, following some controversies that were stirred up in recent months. And this afternoon, students received an email through Newsline as well as like just the regular student news feed saying that she is finished. Um, and so that letter that has been floating around online um, is what was released to us and then the Muse kind of took that and then released it out into the into Twitter. So let's talk about the, I uh, guess, departure now without cause basis. What does that mean uh, to to uh, everybody listening who may maybe wondering? What does it mean without cause? To us, it means that she was fired. So that's kind of the interpretation we've taken. Um, just because if it was with cause, I feel like they would have said it. So we've kind of been in conversation with some professors trying to really analyze like what that actually means and dissect like that letter that was sent out um but i think it is fair to assume that she it wasn't a resignation or she didn't step down it was she like had to leave 
And of course, uh, I know there's a lot of information being shared online now, but I guess some of the next steps here now, I mean, uh, there will be compensation going her way. You can touch on that, but what else is next for that seat, that presidency there at Memorial University? Well, Neil Bose, so Dr. Neil Bose is in her place for now. She, he was in her place while uh, Timmons has been on leave. He was the former vice president of the university. Now he is the president um, and the vice chancellor of the university. So I'm not really sure how the two roles uh, that he was supposed to be in and is currently in is going to kind of change that um, for the spring semester. But he is taking over for the time being, um, whether whatever comes first. So whether they get a president first or if he lasts there two years. And what about the compensation side for Ryan Timmons? I mean, obviously there is something in the contract she was making. I think it was $450,000 a year. So, I mean, there's obviously a, a line in there. So she she's being dismissed. Where does that leave her? Uh, she is going to be entitled to a severance payment. So it's going to be of at least $675,000 or it's going to be an 18 months of B salary and more than seven months pay owed to her for an accumulated administrative leave of $270,000. So, I mean, the, the total minimum is uh, $945,000. What has reaction been like on campus today? Because I, I know you're at campus today. You're, you're doing exams, so I appreciate you squeezing me in here. But uh, what has reaction been like? Is there, there much activity on campus today? Uh, there is a fair bit of activity on campus today. Um, I just saw a tweet come in earlier. There, uh, the Indigenous students at Mon are currently doing a they're doing a gathering outside of the Arts and Administration Building right now um, to kind of call an accountability for Mon um, following this announcement. As you can imagine, they um, would be happy that she has stepped down, um, or rather, uh, like her contract has been terminated but as for the actual environment on campus i think students are really focused on their schoolwork right now um we are in the middle of exams today's the last day of classes before easter um but as for like what's showing up online the reaction has been positive honestly um it's a it's a bit different than when i thought it was going to be to be honest do you think there's much distraction with this news coming today as you guys are trying to focus on on exams you do you do you read into that at all I think it depends on who the student is. I think you have, there are a bunch of students, I'm at the library right now, if you, can't, if you can hear it, um, but I think a lot of students are kind of undisrupted by the news. They might, may have saw it come in their inbox and was like, oh, okay, and then mm-hmm. continued studying because that's kind of the mindset students are in at the moment. Um, but I think then you have a lot of student activists on campus who this news has really affected um, in a positive way. So. Um, I am seeing a lot of like activity online coming from like students from Munsu as well as some other writers at the Muse. Uh, anyone interested or engaged in student media, this would affect, mm-hmm. um, kind of disrupt your work a little bit. But yeah, the reaction is very, very positive among students. I did see a couple tweets come in that was like, thank goodness, oh, so glad, best news ever, happy Easter. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm being getting to grass right now yeah and i'll give you one final thought here on uh, i guess well maybe not the conclusion of this story that you guys have been following at the muse on campus but i'm sure there's stories to come but just some final thoughts on uncovering all this over the last little while and, and coming to uh, this point today well, I think we were expecting it. So we, like, the news kind of, this wasn't a shock 
um, today. Now, we did think it would last, like, she would take the six weeks and it would come out later. Um, but the actual headline is not a shock. We kind of did feel this was the move she was going to have to take. Um but that's kind of the lens like we're going to move forward with when it comes to covering this um, more in depth. Well, Jenna Reed, editor at The Muse, I do appreciate you again squeezing me in during exam time here on this uh, developing news throughout the afternoon. I'm sure it won't be the last conversation we have on it. Thanks so much for this. No problem. Thank you so much, Greg. There you go. Jenna Reed from The Muse joins us here on VOCM's News Talk. And, of course, yes, reaction is coming out around the news of Vianne Timmons no longer being president of Memorial University. Departure today, uh, well, her appointment being ended with a without-cause basis. So some reaction we've been following through VOCM News with Munsu Director of External, External Affairs, rather, John Harris, and Beth Jacobs, a representative on the Munsu Board and an executive on the Circle of First Nations, Mady and Inuit students, uh, both with their reaction now with VOCM's Richard Duggan. This has been a long time coming. Uh, we, you know, starting with the doubling of tuition, which has really affected the students of this province and uh, affected the most mar- marginalized students, especially. Uh, we have have seen a very little accountability, uh, especially during the uh, you know uh, the strike of the faculty. Uh, we are, you know. Uh, not surprised that this has come about and uh, what we really need is accountability at this time. Now, Monsu uh, tweeted out a little while ago about uh, Timmons' departure from the university. Uh, and in the tweet, they said, Vian Timmons has caused irreparable harm during their term, and students will be recovering from the choices made under this administration for years to come. Um, can you just sort of explain that statement? Absolutely. Well, under Timmins, uh, the tuition for uh, domestic students has doubled, uh, reaching $6,000, over $20,000 to get a degree here now. Uh, and, and for international students, it's gone up to $20,000, uh, you know, $80,000 to get a, a degree here for international students. This is despicable. Uh, that, that action uh, has really, you know, created a, a larger disparity between the rich and the poor here in this province. You know, Memorial needs to be a place where people can get an education, uh, a good education for very uh, cheap uh, and, and, and a high quality. And what's happened under her leadership is that is uh, simply not the case anymore. Um, uh, in addition to that, and I think Beth will speak to this a lot more, uh, her, there needs to be accountability uh, to uh, in terms of the hiring process of, you know, we and the salary of the president, you know, as we go forward, we need to be looking for a leader that's going to advocate for students, that's going to stand up for uh, the most more marginalized students. And uh, what that means is having a, a change in salary. We do not need a president that's paid $450,000, and we do not need a $60,000 headhunting firm to find the next president. This should be a community uh, endeavor where we can all come together, students, faculty, community members, uh, and choose a leader that will show true leadership. And Beth, I'll move on to you now, uh, especially uh, Vian Timmons' uh, claims of um, Indigenous heritage has, has been a focal point of this whole situation. Um, what are you thinking now as this uh, story unfolds? I want to be clear that the issue is not a person, an individual claiming indigeneity. The issue is far greater than that. 
and memorial, um, pardon me, but the news and other public personas in different land of Labrador did not do want us to recognize in that fact. We have talked and we have centered by Aunt Timmons as a discussion in this element, and we have dismissed the greater things that are going on, which are systemic racism, colonization, and neocolonialism. And that has caused more harm to the community than ever, because in a moment where we were trying to grieve, when we were trying to go over the initial shock, we never got ability or capacity to actually have direct action. And within a short time, that is not given one as to us being able to even grieve this situation. She has been able to get passed on to another um, adventure in life without having accountability. But even more than that, the violence is in the fact that because of her dismissal, the Board of Regents and other areas of the province will not take accountability for the systemic racism having on. They will pinpoint it all on one person, and this will silence Indigenous voices for years to come. So Beth, what 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 next steps do you think the university needs needs to take now in, in trying to rectify what's happened and and try to move on? They need to honor people who are in indigenous positions in the university, such as those of the IOA and Juniper House. They need to honor them through recognizing the hard work they do daily. They need to honor them through recognizing the voice that they have and through not letting them be receivers of violence from now on. They need to make sure that they're proactive about that. That's the first step. The second step is that they need to understand that it's a systemic issue. And they have had colloquial opportunities to do that before, but these colloquial opportunities have resulted resulted in accountability or so-called accountability being only rested upon individuals but not actually participating in acknowledging the actual harm done and they need to partner with indigenous people the board of regions assumed or they claimed that there was elders involved but i know the elders of this land personally and i do not know any names to that i do not think that they actually have elders involved and if they do have elders involved they certainly don't seem to be those of the Newfoundland and Labrador region. That's Beth Jacobs, a representative on Munsu's board, an executive on the Circle of First Nations, Métis, and Inuit students. Also heard in that uh, interview with Richard Duggan, John Harris, who is the Munsu Director of External Affairs. Their reaction today to the news around Vianne Timmons no longer being president of Memorial University. Her departure effective today with her appointment being ended, of course, on a without cause basis. We'll learn more about it as we continue to track that story throughout the afternoon. We're up against the news at 4.30 with Jolene Crimes. When we come back, we're on the eve of not just Good Friday Fish and Chips. We're on the eve of tickets going on sale for Iceberg Alley. The performance tent is back this June. Sean Pasha, straight ahead here on News Talk. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And welcome back. It is Greg Smith jumping in for Linda Swain on this uh, Thursday afternoon. And we're going to shift gears once again, talk another topic, another lighthearted conversation as we round out a shortened work week and a very exciting day tomorrow as tickets will officially go on sale for the 2023 Iceberg Alley Performance Tent Concert Series. There's 10 nights of exciting things happening under the big top. Sean Basha of Iceberg Alley on the line. Hey, Sean, how are you? Greg, I'm great. How are you? I'm good, buddy. It's uh, almost go time, just uh, well, well, shy of 69 days before the doors open for night one. But the tickets got to be sold first. That happens tomorrow. It happens tomorrow morning. I can't even believe that it's 69 days and this is happening. This year is going so fast. It Frank. is. 
Yeah, so let's talk a bit about the shift of the tent because uh, obviously you, you guys have been doing this for a few years now. You you know what kind of works. You know sometimes what doesn't work, but you also got to tweak it and kind of go with what the audience is looking for. And this year's lineup, I got to say, it's pretty cool because there's a little bit of something for everyone, a bit of a different approach to some nights, and uh, I'll probably let you do the talking here, but I got to say it's two thumbs up for me. Thanks, man. Yeah, so what we're, you know, when you have a festival that has so many days, we try to – you know, have different nights that are themed, you know, towards the same type of music on a particular night and then give a break uh, of that particular genre. For example, classic rock. So we'll have a classic rock night one night. Then we won't have another classic rock night until probably four days later. Mm -hmm. We try to do something for everybody. So, you know, there's not nights there every night you're going to love as a music, you know, finishado, but you'll probably like two or three of them. And that's what we try to do. We try to have a night, something for everybody. The other thing with this is too, is that normally this event would be in September, but because our tent got ruined by a hurricane in September, we had to move it to June. So last year was our first year in June. And even though we told everybody it was happening in June, people still saw the advertising and thought it was happening in September. (laughs) So this is our second year in June. So we're June 14th to the 24th. And uh, like you said, we have 10 nights of music. We normally do 11, but this year we're taking the first Sunday off. So I can go through the lineup if that's what you want me to do. Yeah, let's do that first because there's, as you mentioned, something there for everyone. And I'm just looking at it here online. And I mean, I might be one of these, one of the one of the people who are going to be here every night because I'm, I'm digging this lineup. So let's go with night one, opening night, June 14th. Okay, it's great. June 14th is a Wednesday night. From the U.S., uh, we have three bands from the States on this night. It work, it's our 90s night, and uh, our headliner that night is Sugar Ray. So, uh, you know, an amazing band with, with multiple hits uh, all over the world. Uh, it's going to be a great night of music. We also have Soul Asylum playing with them as well, and we have Vertical Horizon. So you're going to know multiple songs from every single band. The doors open at 6. It's done by 11, and you're going to have a night of amazing entertainment with three bands that you're going to, you know, know music mm-hmm. from every single one of them. So it's great. That's our opening night. Amazing. And then just roll through June 15th onward. June 15th is, is uh, Thursday night, and it's our 80s Canadian classic rock night. We have Honeymoon Suite, and we have Street Heart. And we have Lee Aaron, who uh, hasn't been to the province for quite some time, just put out a brand new album. It's really good, actually. So that's going to be a great night as well. On um, Friday night, June the 16th, the biggest band in Canada right now, the Arkells, are headlining. Uh, Lights are performing directly before. She's an amazing performer. She just did a duet with the Arkells as well, so I'd say they'd be on stage doing that together later in the night. And local favorites, Fair Gale. So that's on the Friday night. Saturday, June 17th, is... Uh, a crazy popular night for us. It's the one that always sells out first, and it makes us so proud because it's our Newfoundland and Labrador night. And, uh, you know, our local bands uh, have the biggest party and the best-selling concert of the whole series every year. So this year we have Shanninganock, the Celtic Connection, Maskless Men, the Navigators, and from Labrador we have the Flummies. So it's we're, we're very happy that they were able to come in from Labrador uh, and make the uh, flight down to get this uh, night opened up and done right. Um, the doors open at 5 on the weekends instead of 6, so that's why we have extra acts. Right, yeah, no, that's a jam-packed night. And on the, ni- the night of the 19th, the, the Monday night, this is a pretty cool little thing you guys are doing. Just talk a bit about back in 1999. 
Yeah, so what we wanted to do is we wanted to come up with an idea where we could have local acts play again. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to kind of theme it a certain way and make it affordable. So we were like, hey, how about we call it back in 1999? And what we should do is we'll have the tickets for $19.99. And then we'll get three bands who were together and played in 1999. <laughs> so what we it's local bands. We have Timber. We have Bump. And we have the Impalas back together again uh, for this night of local music at a really uh, great ticket price. Uh, and it's going to be an incredible Monday night. You know, we have had... Uh, you know, nights in the tent on Monday night where we've had 2,000 people or more to see a band, and this night is going to be just like it. I think it's actually going to be one of our uh, better nights, and it's going to be a night that if you haven't been in the tent yet, uh, you should buy your ticket for this 1999 night and come down and check it all out because yeah. the tent is an experience in itself. It 100% is. And then you uh, you rally in the next night here, and this uh, June 20th night is going to be a popular one for, for a, a genre of fans uh, that uh, I, I kind of feel don't usually get a whole lot of love around here, and they're going to be quite excited for it. Yeah, so this is like a hair, hair metal classic rock night. You know, when I was younger, I used to listen to these bands on VOCM. <laughs> I really did. Like, I remember being home and uh, at my grandparents' house waiting for my grandmother to get back from bingo and listening to the top 10 of 10 on VOCM. And all three of these bands were on a Great White, My My, Once Bitten, Twice Shy, Slaughter, Up All Night, Sleep All Day, and Quiet Riot, Come On, Feel the Noise. So those three bands are playing on June the 20th, which is a Tuesday night. And uh, that's going to be, you know, men and women both in leather and spandex. <laughs> Don't know which one is going to be wearing what. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Uh, and then, of course, we roll in through the rest of the week. And, uh, I mean, every night so far you've mentioned there's so many uh, popular names and names that are well-known. But June 21st, I mean, headlining Collective Soul, that's a name that I think everyone in the province will be familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Huge band. We managed to get them on a tour they were doing. So Collective Soul are in the tent on June the 21st. They're going to be supported by J.J. Walsh. She's an amazing artist uh, in herself, and you should check her out. She's got great music and a great stage presence. And local favorites, the Novaks are playing as well because Mick Davis is the king. That's why. A hundred percent. And then uh, roll on through the last few nights here because there's some uh, some exciting things happening there. Okay, quickly we'll do uh, June 22nd, which is the Thursday night. I like to call this night college rock night because a lot of these bands were, you know, on the go when I was, you know, university age. Mm-hmm. We have 5440, we have The Watchmen, and from the U.S. we have The Verve Pipe. So a great night of music as well in a different vein. It's going to be just incredible. And a good tie in 20- there too with The Watchmen and local angle with Ken Tizard in the band. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and they have a big following here, and they haven't been here in a long time. It's going to be a great night of music. Uh, Friday night, June the 23rd, um, an incredible band, you know, the most popular social media presence band I've ever seen. They were on the Ellen Show. Mm-hmm. They're the guys that sit behind the one big guitar and this one song they do and uh, play the Goche song uh, all on the same guitar. It's Walk Off the Earth. An incredible band. Uh, they're supported by The Beaches, which is a all-female rock band. And they played before. Uh, the Beaches are fantastic. Yeah, they played here before three or four years back. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Violet, local band, is going to be starting out that night. Uh, so an incredible Friday night. Our last night, June 24th, it's a Saturday night. We wanted to try to do something different here. 
and try to bring in something that we've never done before. So we we know that ABBA is not playing anymore, but, you know, fully sanctioned by the ABBA band. Uh, they've been on to go for 30 years. They're called Bjorn again. They're from Australia, uh, now living in the U.K. They play massive festivals all over the world. It's the Australian ABBA show Bjorn again. And then we also have the Australian Bee Gees tribute show straight from Vegas. They'll be playing that night as well. And Billy and the Bruisers are going to play. So I picture that being a awesome night of dancing and music and maybe people dressing up and getting into it. It's going to be super fun. Yeah, that sounds like a fun night for sure. Before we talk ticket details, just one thing about the tent. I mean, obviously we say you got to evolve the lineup and stuff over the years. Tent going to be any different this year? Any bit of a different structure? I mean, as you said, it's an experience in itself. Yeah, so we got a new tent last year mm-hmm. because of the other one was destroyed in that hurricane. So uh, we pretty much figured that out last year and got that, you know, there was many new features in the tent as of last year. So those features won't be changing. They'll be staying the same. There's more room. Uh, there's more uh, energy. There's more places to visit. You know, this tent is unlike anything you've ever seen. Once you walk inside the doors, you can't believe what you're walking into. It is a massive building, basically, with floors and heat and air conditioning and VIP areas. And and uh, Orange Store has a candy bar and Jag has a sky bar and Collingwood's have a wine bar and Iceberg has a, a section. There's so many different things that you can uh, be involved with when you walk in. People come early to this event because there's great acts playing early. And the experience at the tent is something where you can see people you haven't seen in a long time. Everybody's talking and chatting and moving around. It's very, uh, the atmosphere of it is just so uh, inviting that. It, it the whole event is just something that you got to be into. You got to see. One hundred percent. Let's talk tickets now. Uh, I guess give us the rundown of uh, I guess it's individual tickets. You can do a full event pass, and, and when they all go on sale. Yeah, so you can do individual tickets. You go on our website, icebergalleyconcerts.com. That's icebergalleyconcerts.com. You click on the night you want to see. And then you uh, just click on the amount of tickets you want, and boom, there you go. So it's uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. We also have a full event general admission pass, and we also have a full event JAG Skybar VIP pass. And uh, like I said, all of these are on sale tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., Iceberg Alley Concerts. Com. It's going to be an exciting 10 days under the big top, rocking the banks once again of Kitty Vitty, the Iceberg Alley Performance Tent, June 14th to the 24th. We're proud to support it here at VOCM. Sean, thanks for this, buddy. We'll see you soon. And thanks, and thanks for all your help and support. Cheers. There you go. Sean Bashaw from Iceberg Alley is uh, on the line there today on News Talk. And if you want to get your tickets, of course, 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, icebergalleyconcerts.com. It is 4.48 here on News Talk. A, a quick timeout. And when we come back, we'll chat more news of the day. If you want to give us a ring, feel free to do that. 709-273-5211 or 888-590-8626. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss 
anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. 4.50 on this Thursday afternoon. It's Greg Smith in for uh, Linda Swain on News Talk today. And lots and lots of things to talk about. And there's still a bit of time here on the program if you want to chime in on any of the news of the day. 709-273-5211 or one 888 Feel free to give us a call. Claudette Barron's producing the show today. She'll be on the other end of the phone. Well, let's go to this story that was, uh, I guess, held this afternoon, a news conference on it. The provincial government has released some details now of their drinking water safety action plan. The long-term plan focuses on improving drinking water systems in the province, including semi-public and private ones. And Environment and Climate Change Minister Bernard Davis spoke to the media today about that plan. The OCM's Richard Duggan was there. Well, the, the action plan that we're putting up in place now is 37 recommendations. Uh, what they are is a variety of recommendations from regulatory, legislative, governance. Uh, education is a big one from this plan. But it, it not only it builds on the building blocks of the first plan, but it also extends to public, semi-public, and private uh, entities, which is an important piece for expansion. And we've made some significant strides in improving uh, the water supplies across the province. Uh, I think uh, some seven years ago it was 350 uh, boil water advisories, and now we're down to in the 180s, which is still high, and we want to uh, reduce that down number further. The best way to do that is have a plan in place like we're announcing here today. Well, I mean, things that we're going to be working from an educating, education standpoint, working with the municipalities or the communities, uh, we've put uh, water uh, operators in place uh, that will go around training some of these individuals. Uh, one of the things we want to encourage people is we have a resource within the department that's very knowledgeable, very experienced, and is available to, to help them uh, navigate sometimes a very complex uh, technical situation that they all face with water supplies. And not every community has the ability to pay for for a water operator. And that's why you, we have these trainers that can go out and train your operating staff that are currently there. And some of these small communities don't have that ability. So we want to make sure we can educate them. And that's part of what we're going to be working on in the plan. But even more than that, it's just getting people talking about it, protecting your water supply, understanding that there will be regulatory things that you'll have to do as a municipality or a community trying to protect your water supply, and things that we'll do as a government to support that as well, similar to what we're doing here today, talking about it and encouraging them to continue to protect it. Are there any timelines in place with uh, no, no timelines in, in place uh, specifically. What we're trying to do is uh, put this plan out now, and, and then obviously any plan you put out is always an opportunity to uh, improve on it, make uh, improvements to the operations of how this is going to work right across the province. And, and in, in turn, those individuals that uh, have questions are going to get them, some of them answered through here, uh, and if they put in place the plan, they're going to have a better, safer water for the people in their communities. And there you go. That is Bernard Davis from earlier this afternoon uh, speaking about the provincial government releasing uh, the details of the Drinking Water Safety Action Plan. And you can chime in on that. We'll have more on that in our news, of course, over the course of this upcoming long Easter weekend. Well, as we get set to wrap up the show today, we're going to go over to line number one. Uh, joining us this afternoon is the president of the FFAW Unifor, Greg Pretty. Greg, good afternoon. Uh, hi, Greg. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm good today. I know uh, that's probably not the same for you uh, when it comes to the standard fish price setting panel announcing their decision today. I guess we should start there with what the decision was. 
Well, uh, the, the panel ruled in the in the F, for ASP, and uh, so the the minimum price is two twenty a pound, and that that's an absolute bombshell for for this province, right? Economic bombshell. Uh, it it removes about five hundred million dollars out of the system from last year, but just for comparative purposes. But it also transfers between our offer and and their offer transfers one hundred and eighty million dollars onto. The processors an absolutely ridiculous decision uh, we were very comfortable uh, on our bid because it, there's a history uh, the parties agreed on three dollars when when the market had similar challenges uh, bearing the inventory but we thought we we're in the range here but this decision Greg this decision is so poor uh, literally that it 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 uh, it, re- it reduces people uh, to our harvesters, to having difficulty getting uh, crew members, how do you pay for fuel? You can't go to work. Any, nobody can go to work and not make money. But that's what that this panel has done today. And they've said, it's 220, good luck to you. Now, I think they had a higher responsibility uh, to this province than to do the like of that. Because what they've done, if they've taken the whole hit from that uh, from a declining market, They've taken that hit and they've transferred it right to 100% to the harvesters of this province. So the impacts are going to be widespread, as I said. Plant workers are involved with this, industry people, the infrastructure, all will suffer because of this. And the other thing is, of course, you've probably heard already, fishermen, harvesters, can't fish for that type of uh, income. So there it is. It's an individual choice. We we don't have a right to strike under this system, and plants don't have don't have to buy either. But where we are today is, you know, we we gave up working for nothing for those uh, processors fifty years ago, and there's not much appetite to go back at it again. Right. So there it is. That that's what's happened today. I'm asking for a meeting with the premier because this is a as I said an economic torpedo. On, on the province's economy, and it'll be, it'll take a long time to recover unless something changes. So there's where we are. That, that, where uh, do we go to then? Uh, where where do we go to from here? I guess um, are you? I guess your member is not not going to go fish. Are you going to make a stand in that in that regard? Well, they're they're saying to us they can't fish on us. Mm-hmm. It's simple economics. If it costs you twenty dollars to go to work and you only make ten, then you know, there, there's a there's very there's a very uh, quick point where you come. I can't do this anymore, and we're not going to have people go into the hole. But we will have we will have a lot of poverty this year, and we're going to have a lot. We're going to have bankruptcies because of this crazy decision to 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 transfer the hit of the crab industry onto the decks of these vessels, and it's an absolutely ridiculous decision. So you know, so we have to meet with the premier. And we may, uh, in, in quick order, meet with the feds too to see what we can do, what can be done on a federal basis to assist this industry. How ironic, my friend! The richest crab fishery, one the best crab fishery in the world, and now reduced to handouts. Are you serious that that could happen in 2023? So there's where we are. Mm-hmm. People are extremely upset. And we'll, as we talk about this with our leadership over the weekend, we'll have a clearer picture 
of how we'll proceed. But right now, right now, my friend, this is big trouble for this province. I mean, there's been a lot of hits to, to the fishery uh, around Newfoundland and Labrador over the, the many hundreds of years that there's been a fishery in this province. How hot does this rank on, on some of those big hits? Because uh, it sounds like it's pretty pretty devastating if it moves forward completely without any resolve in these uh, these meetings you're requesting. Well, I've had to go back, and, and my memory serves me. There was, uh, at the moratorium, that was pretty pretty serious. We put this, the whole province went on his ear. Uh and this particular issue here, as I said, $500 million out of the system uh, because of market conditions, $180 million transferred over to the uh, uh, processors by, by, uh, by that decision of the panel. So it's, it's, it has extremely serious economic uh, problems for this, for this province. I mean, we're going to be a hell of a lot poorer because of that decision. Right. I mean, they couldn't. And, and I know what the purpose of the panel is. It's very clear. But, you know, our position was much closer to the market and, uh, and what's, uh, what's actually going on. And, you know, a, a 310 price would have given us some type of fishery. But this one, 220, reduces us to poverty, in, in our humble opinion. FFAW Uniform President Greg Pretty, about 30 seconds here before we got to sign off the program for the afternoon. So I'll give you some final thoughts and a message to get a message out there, I guess, not only to your members but to those who you're looking to to get to the table to to have a discussion about the decision. Well, you know, here's here's the take home. Uh, we we spent a lot of time this spring trying to develop a formula which would actually, you know, s- spread out the risk uh, between the harvesters and the processors. We spent a lot of time at that. We made some good progress on it. But ultimately, it failed. So the attempt to spread out the risk, the ups and downs in the market between the two parties failed. This decision has downloaded the entire risk and, and, and uh, loss of income and loss of money onto the harvesters. So I think, and I'll be talking to our membership about this, that I think there, there needs to be some balance in the system. This system is not working properly as it should but there has to be there has to be a sharing of this misery we just can't take it ourselves and 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 march into the future so the harvesters have made a decision based on pure economics not a strike by any stretch of the imagination because we're not allowed to strike but they've made an economic decision not to fish and we will certainly stand by this. FFAW Uniform President Greg Pretty, thanks for your uh, your update there and your thoughts on today's uh, price-setting panel announcement on their decision around the price of snow crab. I appreciate it. Much appreciated, Greg. Thanks very much. Here you go. Just a little over 5 o'clock. We'll head over to the newsroom shortly for the day in review.